practice of trying to convert base metals into gold was a magical process of transformation called alchemy. Well, I try to combine beautiful music full of pretty notes, harmony, and melody to produce the magic mix of jazz called Jazz Alchemy. Every Tuesday evening from 6 to 8, please join me, June, your host, while I hope to inspire you on your journey into the jazz realm here on your community radio station, WERU. 89.9 on the FM dial and WERU.org streaming worldwide. Let's get to some jazz, and I hope to catch you next time for Jazz Alchemy, every Tuesday evening, 6 to 8 p.m. And thanks so much for supporting Community Radio. Support for WERU comes from Easterly Wine of Belfast, Maine, an independent enterprise that supports free speech, democracy, and independent media. It's about 30 seconds before 4 o'clock. Let's give a quick look at the weather while we're waiting for the clock. Sunny today for the rest of the day, what's left of it. 40% chance of rain tonight. Snow tonight with a low of 20. Chance of snow tomorrow is 50% with a high of 29. Wednesday night, 20% chance, slight chance of snow and patchy blowing snow, low of 11. And Thursday, patchy blowing snow, then sunny, high of 19. Low Thursday night is 6. And so it goes. Winter, let's have more of it. Stay tuned for Main Currents. This is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. Welcome to our new day and time. We'll be on the first and third Tuesdays of every month moving forward with the second edition each month being a call-in show focusing on the upcoming elections. If you come from a politically mixed family here in Maine, chances are there was one topic you might have been able to discuss over the holidays without anyone getting disowned. The New England Clean Energy Connect, or CMP Corridor, as it's widely known, is drawing opposition from all over the political spectrum. Building the corridor would involve cutting 53 miles through undeveloped forest in western Maine. According to the Natural Resources Council of Maine, the damage would fragment the largest contiguous temperate forest in North America and perhaps the world. The corridor would traverse Maine to bring pricier energy that supporters call green from hydro-Quebec dams in Canada to Massachusetts. Maine Governor Janet Mills supports the project after she says she negotiated with Hydro-Quebec and, quote, insisted that the project would include electric vehicle charging stations, provisions to support renewable energy, broadband access and heat pumps, as well as cash relief for ratepayers over and above the benefits of lower electricity prices, close quote. Many towns that initially were in support have changed their mind, as has the Sportsman's Alliance of Maine, after realizing that a majority of their members were in opposition. My guests today represent that range of opposition. Dawn Neptune Adams is here with me in the studio. Uh, she is a member of the Penobscot Nation, a narrator and citizen journalist with the Sunlight Media Collective, Wabanaki liaison to the Maine Independent Green Party, and a racial justice consultant to the Peace and Justice Center of Eastern Maine. She met with Cree and the new people from the North American Dam, Mega Dam Resistance who were speaking here in Maine in November uh, to learn more about the situations in their territories. And we'll hear some clips from that presentation during today's program as well. Welcome back to Maine Currents, Don. Hi, grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back. Don's been a regular here. And uh, joining us by phone from arguably what is usually the other end of the political spectrum is Tom Saviello, a former Republican state senator from Franklin County and former state representative for six towns in Franklin County, including his hometown of Wilton. He's the former chair of the Joint Standing Committee on the Environment and Natural Resources. He has a uh, bachelor's degree in forestry from the University of Tennessee and an MS in agronomy and PhD in forest resources from UMO. And he's worked for 33 years in the forest industry, starting as a forest researcher or research forester and retiring in the environmental as the environmental manager at the Andrew Scoggin Mill. Welcome, Tom Saviello. Thank you. Great to be on. Hi, Dawn. How are you? Good to talk to you again. Hello, Senator Tom. So we're going to open the phone lines after we talk a little bit with uh, Tom and Dawn and also hear a clip from that Mega Dam Resistance Tour. I want to give each of you, uh, each of my guests here, a chance to say a little bit about what their concerns are about the NECE 
C or the CMP corridor. And we'll get back to these concerns and go over them in more depth as the program goes on. And the conversation will be a little bit guided after we open the phone lines by wherever the callers want to take it. So, Don, after meeting with the Cree and Inu people who are here in November, they were talking about the impact of Hydro-Quebec and big mega dam projects in Canada. Uh, what did you come away with for concerns about the project? Um, I guess my my main concern and and the thing that was most glaringly obvious is that this is genocide. What Hydro-Quebec and um, Manitoba uh, Hydro are doing is ruining the um, the environment in which the Innu people and the Cree people are are practicing their culture. They have uh, they are poisoning the people there um, with methyl mercury, and I can go into that more later. Uh, but yes, the, it, this was called by the, the the delegation who came here to visit. This was called cultural genocide, but it goes much deeper than that. It is actual genocide when you're killing people, uh, when you're destroying their way of life. Yes, that's cultural genocide. But people are actually dying there because of what is being done to sell energy to um, you know outside markets. Thanks, Don. Tom Saviello, you uh, talk about how you initially got involved with this and what your primary concerns are. Sure, Amy, uh, and, and I would uh, echo uh, Don's comments. I actually call it environmental discrimination because it's uh, attacking uh, individuals that have a small voice and it's very difficult for them to get out in environmental situations. But about two years ago, I started to get involved. I was in the legislature and I was watching Central Maine Power come out to a number of my select boards. I had six towns that are right in the corridor, uh, and talking to them about this great deal they were bringing them, lower taxes, jobs, uh, and uh, lower electric bills. And, and it just didn't quite fit with me, but I was very busy just trying to finish up my last year in the legislature. And I just had this bad feeling. It didn't make sense to me. It felt bad. And I started looking into it a little bit more. And you talk about the 53 miles. Well, I put it in terms of a 2,000-acre clear cut. Uh, one that you can cannot do under the Forest Practices Act. The most you could clear cut is 250 acres with all kinds of buffers. But most importantly, this will never grow back for 40 years. And as Nick, as NRCM and Nick Bennett, my friend, talked about it being a fragmentation of the forest, I call it cutting the forest in half, 300-foot-wide corridor of which is going to be a low brush, as they describe it in their own petition, that crosses 250 streams, 115 wetlands, and 12 uh, uh, wild, wide bird habitat. And so it really began to bother me, and then I started looking into the greenhouse gas commerce, and I'm sure we'll get back to that, which I find is questionable. And really what it comes down to is that the deal that's on the table is basically uh, $254 million. Some people say that's really that's a lot of money. However, let's put it into perspective. Over the 40 years of the project, divided by the citizens of Maine, 1.3 million people, divided by 12 months, that comes to 37 cents a month, while central Maine power will make $5 million a month. And when I say that, understand, I'm a capitalist. I, I, I appreciate profit. To me, that profit's obscene. So in essence, Maine is going to get ripped in half and so that power can come from Canada to Massachusetts we're going to get a cup of coffee and a whoopie pie, as, as uh, one of the gentlemen on TV in, in Portland said, while Central Maine Power gets a gold mine. And that has what's gotten me going and uh, going after the signatures because my bottom line, number one, it's a bad deal for Maine. And number two, I want the citizens of Maine to have a voice in this. Right now, they do not. So that's why I got involved. And right now, I feel pretty good that we're headed in the right direction to get that voice heard by the citizens. All right. Don, did you want to add something else before we uh, move on? You look like you were about to say something. Uh, capitalism kills. Uh. <laughs> See, and this is this is what I said. We have people from different ends of the political spectrum and social spectrum and whatever else who are coming together over this, which is what I wanted to take a look at today because there's something that uh, this project has drawn people together over that have not been drawn together over other projects in the past. So we'll hear more about that. I will also say that I, I had the opportunity to speak with Tom while um, we were at the uh, Army Corps of Engineers public hearing, and I really appreciated his comments. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Thank Tom. You. Thank you. And as, as you just said, Amy, what's neat about this to me is that I have everybody. I have Republicans, Democrats, Greens, Libertarians, 
the whole nine yards that are on our side. Each has their own reason for being there, but that's what's so unique about this. And, and you said it very well at the Christmas dinner table or the holiday dinner table. This is something that people could have a conversation about that crosses all political spectrums. It, it's really been kind of a uh, I'm sad that I'm involved in it the way I am, but happy I am because it truly has created a conversation in the state of Maine. Mm. Well, I first heard about the Hydro-Quebec dams flooding indigenous lands back in the 90s. Uh, Storm Waters, an environmental filmmaker and trained meteorologist, traveled there to help document what was happening in solidarity with the indigenous people in the area. And I recently asked him to recall his impressions, and he responded, uh, quote, vast tracts of ancestral hunting, fishing, and foraging were flooded out, and the natives had no say in any of it. This also includes numerous village sites, burial grounds, and other sacred sites, ceremonial grounds, etc. Displacement was considerable, to say nothing about access to traditional foods, medicines, etc., close quote. He also expressed concerns about the, quote, stark implications of an outfit like that, meaning Hydro-Quebec, holding that much power over that much of the world's remaining fresh surface water, especially in light of the climate crisis. So let's hear from some of the people directly affected from by mega dams in Canada. We'll start with one now, uh, and then we'll open the phone lines, and as we have time, we'll play some more clips during the program. I'm going to, uh, this uh, audio was made available to us by the North American Mega Dam Resistance Alliance, so we appreciate that. And they have also given us permission to archive the entire presentation on our website, which will go up along with this program at a uh, when it gets archived later in the week. So if we don't get to all of the clips today, you'll be able to hear them there as well. So uh, let's hear the, the first clip, John. My name is Meg Sheehan. I'm coordinator for the North American Mega Dam Resistance Alliance. We are an international alliance of groups and individuals who are raising awareness about the destructive impacts of Canadian hydropower. We're trying to protect communities and rivers, and we're also fighting against power line corridors delivering this power into the U.S. from remote areas of Canada. These are blood megawatts, as you will hear from our speakers who are here today from Indigenous communities across Canada. These Blood megawatts destroy vast areas of forests. They are a climate disaster. To give you an idea of the scale, one Hydro-Quebec dam drains 32,000 square miles. That's the size of Maine. And Hydro-Quebec has 60 of these types of dams. So we're here because Governor Mills and some groups in Maine are supporting the central Maine power line to import this power from over a thousand miles away in remote areas of Canada, both in Quebec and in Labrador. This is dirty energy. Hydro-Quebec can't deliver on the promises they make that this will help the climate. The stipulation for $250 million that Governor Mills and other groups have entered into is a sham. This corridor will actually make climate change worse and increase Massachusetts emissions by 2%. Hydro-Quebec claims that they have surplus energy. That is also a sham. They do not. They're on a dam-building boom. Since 2005, they've added 50 5,000 megawatts of Megadam hydropower. The Romaine 4 dam in Quebec is coming online in 2021. So they can't deliver, they don't have the surplus. We'll be hearing on our tour and today about Labrador. Since 1972, Hydro-Quebec has been draining water from the Grand River the dam there is the size, the reservoir there is the size of Ireland. A second dam just went online this summer, and a third dam is planned. My name is Amy Norman. I'm an Inuk woman from Happy Valley Goose Bay, Labrador. I um, live downstream of the Muskrat Falls mega dam. This is the second dam on the Grand River, the first being the Churchill Falls. And power from our river goes through Hydro-Quebec 
and now Hydro-Quebec is trying to sell it down here in the United States. We are part of a speaking tour that is hoping to illustrate the issues and the harms that affect our communities, especially in the North and particularly Indigenous communities. We wrote a letter to Governor Mills. We are trying to meet with her, but she has not uh, responded as of yet. So I'm just going to quickly read our letter, which outlines a bit of what we're doing here. <clears throat> Dear Governor Mills, we are the North American Megadam Resistance Alliance. We are a collective of Indigenous activists and protectors from Canada, along with allies in the Northeastern United States, and we are currently touring across Maine, Massachusetts, and New York to raise awareness of the devastating harms caused by large-scale hydro dams. We have been meeting with environmental organizations as well as government officials to share first-hand stories of living in the shadows of these dams. Our goal is to highlight what happens on the other end of transmission corridors, such as the New England Clean Energy Connect. We have been trying to meet with you for several months now. We invited you to meet with us at the Conference of Northeastern Governors and Eastern Canadian Premiers. We've also sent several emails, but sadly we have not been able to connect with you. We ask you to reconsider your support of the NECEC and would love to meet with you to tell you directly about the impacts on our lives from these mega dams. Unlike what these large corporations may tell you, hydro is not clean and not green. It destroys rivers and ecosystems. It poisons our food webs. It disproportionately impacts indigenous peoples. It disconnects us from our cultures. Our communities, especially in the north, are already the ones bearing the brunt of the climate crisis. And we cannot continue to bear the brunt of the so-called climate solutions. We're hoping to speak with the governor and we're hoping to, to share our message to all of those who are thinking of, you know, joining with Hydro-Quebec and other of these large corporations from Canada to sell Canadian hydro down here in the U.S. Because we need to raise awareness about what happens on the other line. So I have a message out to the folks who organized that Mega Dam Resistance Tour to find out if they ever did hear back from the governor. I have not heard back from them about that yet. Dawn and I were talking before the show, and as far as she knows, they did not, right? Right. So um, we, if we get a message during the program, we'll uh, let you know. We'll go ahead and open the phone lines now. The number into the studio is 469-0500. We have only one phone line open, so you may get a busy signal, but just keep trying because as soon as somebody hangs up, that phone line will open again. Again, it's 469-0500. Whether you are opposed to this, uh, to this or if you support it, give a call and let us know why. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that I uh, contacted Ambassador Molly and Dana from the Penobscot Nation to see if they'd taken an official stand on this. And uh, she responded that the Penobscot Nation has not been consulted on the corridor at any point, and they have remained neutral but are not in support. Uh, and we have a caller. Go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from, please? Uh, press a few more buttons. Go ahead, caller. Are you there? Oh, all right. We're having a little bit of trouble. John's going to patch you through. Uh, if uh, if you do call in, I'm not saying this to this particular caller, but just in general, be sure you have your radio turned off. If you can be on a corded landline, that's always ideal because cell phones are notoriously poor audio quality. Let's try this again. Caller, are you there? I can I can hear her, Amy. Okay, great. I can hear you now. Can you hear me? All right. We have some kind of delay going on there. Uh, John's going to push a few more buttons. Maybe we'll get somebody in there to help him out with that. Uh, again, the number is 469 If we did drop that caller, try back later because we do have someone in the uh, on one of the phone lines. We will only have one line available. Amy, also, Amy, well, before we get another call, the comment by the Penobscot, okay, I talked there, to uh, Dawn about this. There who is this? Are, wait, wait, wait. Who is this calling? This is Tom. This is Saviello. I'm just oh, okay. All right. I thought the caller finally got through. Go ahead. I, I talked to Don about this down at uh, the uh, hearing. Uh, on As far as the Corps of Engineers are concerned, the Penobscots are in favor of this project. So if I were, if she's listening and if you have the contact with her, she's more than welcome to call me. But uh, they, the Corps of Engineers clearly stated, and Don, do you remember I showed you that one piece of paper where it said that they were fine with it? I have that paper with me today. So it might be worthwhile to show that to Amy and get that to the Penobscots because they really do need to weigh in. And I've, I've tried to get in contact with them without any luck, so I'd be glad to talk with them if they want. But so, they, the Corps of Engineers showed them in favor of the project. So here's what happens. We... Um, 
as sovereign nations, consent and and um, uh, prior prior uh, consultation is necessary with these kinds of projects always, all across Turtle Island. This is what happens. An industry uh, will say that they have consulted with a tribe um, and they will be sneaky about it. They will consult with one or maybe two people in that tribe and and then they can say, oh, well, see, we consulted with them. What, um, What they did was they asked our cultural and historical preservation officer if we had any cultural or historical sites in the path of the um, in the path of, of the the power line, um, and of, of course there's there's cultural and historical sites all over Wabanakieg. This is our land. Our ancestors are in the very soil that you're standing on. Uh, just because it's not on the map or or as part of a tourist guide as a place where you can go see a um, you know a, a, a traditional site doesn't mean it isn't there so our cultural and historical preservation officer apparently replied that there were uh, no um, sites known sites in the way of, of the um, the power line but that was the only consultation that was done they, they really do need to Dawn. We can talk about that later. I don't want yeah, to bog us down, but it's see, very, very important. Yeah, and, and definitely, let's try to get back to that. We, I think we do have the caller on the line, though. Go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? It's Becky. Hi, can Becky. Can you hear me? Hi. Um, we'll try this again. Um, so I am with Sierra Club Maine, and we have been uh, actively working um, with uh, the Say No to Keck project. Uh, hold on just a second. Becky, you don't have your radio on, right? No, I do okay, not. Okay, John, you might have to turn Tom's Tom all the way down so we can hear Becky better. And Tom, at this point, you won't be able to jump in while Becky's talking. You'll have to wait until she's done. Let's see if that sounds better. Go ahead, Becky. Hi. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little better. Okay. So um, so uh, I, I am sure that we have not yet heard back from Governor Mills um, as part of the Megadam. Okay. Uh, Sierra Club Maine is part of um, the Megadam Resistance Alliance, and we have not heard back from her. We actually went to her office with the delegation, um, but we're unable to have an appointment with her. Um, and we're strongly uh, opposed to this project, you know, for both the reasons. Of you're, you're really breaking up, Becky, so I'm going to ask you to just, like, summarize your points. I'm sorry. And, and and also invite you and anybody else who'd like to to email what you'd like to say to news at weru.org or comment on the Facebook post that's pinned at the top of the WERU Facebook page. And I'll read your comments from there in case the phone line issue doesn't get sorted. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, it may be my phone. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, I will do that. Okay. Thanks, Becky. And Becky, thank you for calling in. It was the Sierra Club who uh, invited me to participate in the um, in the talking with the the indigenous uh, representatives from the north. Um, They paid my travel expenses. Right, Thank so you, Sierra Club. Full disclosure on that, and that uh, that was uh, Becky uh, Bartoviks, and we will hopefully be able to. We'll try taking another call and see if it works better. Uh, again, four six nine oh five hundred. But if you want to make a comment and uh, the phone does not work out. Again, you can email news at weru.org. I've got my email open right in front of me, and I can read your questions from there. And there is also a post pinned to the top of the WERU Facebook page that you can make a comment on, and I'll watch that spot as well. <coughs> so how? So we were talking about the confusion about whether or not uh, there's official... Uh, support from the Penobscot Nation. I read, at least as of last spring, the Passamaquoddy uh, Nation was supporting um, the project. I don't know if that's still the case or not. Do you have any word on that, Dawn? Uh, They have land in the path of the electrical line, uh, the proposed corridor, and they have accepted money for the corridor to go through their territory. Okay. Um, that, that is correct. They've accepted uh, the agreement that is worth about $146,000 an acre for two acres that it crosses. My understanding is perhaps that no longer will be true now that they've uh, rerouted the line beyond by Beatty Pond, but CMP insists that they're going to pay that fee. But, yes, that is absolutely correct, Don. Thank you. They were they negotiated, oh, which I think is a fair deal on their behalf, unlike the state, um, to uh, get
get paid for the two acres based on the profitability of the line. I should also uh, make clear that not all of the Passamaquoddy people were in favor of that. Uh, this came from some um, elected officials, um, and I would say that a lot of people are in big disagreement with it. All right. Let's try to take another call and see how this goes. Uh, go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes. Is this, is this me? Yes. Yes, uh, my name is Heidi Beerfaller, and I've been active. I'm sorry, we're having the same problems with the phone line. I'm sorry. Maybe is that better? I just took it off as speakerphone. Yeah, that definitely helps. No speakerphones, no headsets. Um, First of all, I want to say thank you to Noel Stuckey, my old neighbor, for founding this and how wonderful it is to have a global platform now. (laughs) Oh, meaning the radio Um, station. But... I want to say that how grateful I am for Don for speaking out and for recognizing that it is genocide. My Cree friends that I know up in the James Bay ecosystem have echoed that to me and that it's really important to know that their culture did not approve any of this. They didn't have half the chance. And if we're looking at the system here that we need to look at the fact that Hydro-Quebec has a reckless record of disregard to the free and Inuit people who are their, are their Quebecois citizens, and that also Central Maine Power also, with their reckless regard of the overage charges that they've made with local Maine citizens, and the fact that we need to watch our trees and make sure we have all these carbon sequestration issues taken care of. We can't afford any more trees coming down now that Brazil and and, the, and Australia have lost so much of their trees. We have to save our trees here. Um, but getting back to the genocide, nobody contacted them before any of this happened to them up there. And it's really important that we honor the fact that that these people have not had the respect paid. They've been promised so many different things through the years, and Hydro-Quebec and the Quebec government have not followed through on their promises. Okay, and Heidi, I I'm going think, to ask you to wrap up there because your phone's to stand t- up for the free for that. Heidi, can you hear me? And Heidi? Uh-huh. I, I, I need you to, to wrap up if you can because the phone uh, quality is deteriorating. We also want to be able to get some more calls in. Not a problem. I want to make sure to have more voices on this too. Thank you. But just thank you so much for giving us this platform to be able to share the fact. And I've also put on my Facebook profile my... Um, my link to my submission to the Army Corps comments and stuff. But thank you so much. Thank you for calling. I want to quickly read, we have a comment on Facebook from Sandy Howard, who is one of the administrators and founders of the Say No to NECEC uh, Facebook group, which has about, I think, 8,000 members in it. And it's just one of the groups about the opposition. And she writes, the majority of Mainers know that the CMP corridor is a horrible idea for Maine. It would result in irreversible destruction to Maine's environment, wetlands, waterways, and wildlife habitat, including deer wintering yards and the last stronghold for native brook trout in the country. It would cross the Appalachian National Scenic Trail in three places. This is a 145-mile-long corridor that would cut Maine in half. Imagine a 2,000 permanent, I think that must be acre, permanent uh, clear-cut in western Maine with a 300-foot-wide corridor blazing a path as wide as the New Jersey Turnpike through one of the last intact globally significant forests. The CMP corridor would also result in in massive job losses in the biomass and related wood products industries and to recreational and Uh, tourism in western Maine. We know that the CMP corridor would not reduce global greenhouse gas emissions. Maine doesn't deserve to be an extension cord from hydro, from Quebec to Massachusetts with no benefit to Maine. 
and CMP would make $60 million a year in profits with no benefit to Maine while Maine's environment and iconic brand is destroyed. Uh, Sandy made that comment on the Facebook post on the WERU Facebook page, facebook.com slash WERUFM. You can also send comments to news at WERU.org. want to pause there. We've had a lot said. Uh, want to have uh, Don and Tom respond to that and add anything that they'd like. Don, you go first. Okay. So I appreciate Sandy's words, and um, but I'd like to add on to that. We're always talking about how things affect us. Uh, how, how does this affect me? How's it going to affect my pocketbook? Um, and I'd like to point out that while that is very important, we need to think of how things are affecting other people. So in terms of the, um, the Manitoba um, dam, I'd, I'd just like to quote the Narwhal, which is a, a blog from up in what is now called Canada. It says, uh, that has led to another striking parallel. When the dams are complete, after seven to nine years of construction, their electricity will be sold for considerably less than it costs to produce, leaving hydro customers in the provinces in Canada on the hook financially. So Massachusetts and New York are only going to buy are only going to buy the electricity at a, a price that they uh, deem as fair. What's left over will be passed on to the residents where the, um, the electricity is being produced. That means that households up in, um, you know, where the dams are, um, are going to be paying a lot more money for the electricity. It says, the impending pinch is already being felt in Newfoundland and Labrador, where the cost of the Muskrat Falls Dam on the Churchill River, now nearing completion, has jumped from $6.2 billion to $12.7 billion. Hydro rates are expected to double as a result, and households can calculate how much their bills will likely increase. This is uh, a place where in indigenous territories there, they have trouble with food security. They have trouble with, with you know, housing from the, the melting of the peat and, and the moss. Um, can you imagine having to choose between electricity uh, and food? Thanks, Tom. We do have, uh, I'm going to go to Tom. We have a caller waiting. Caller, hang tight. And I just want to remind listeners that you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. I'm Amy Brown. My guest today in the studio is Don Neptune Adams of the Sunrise Media Collective and uh, Penobscot Nation. And on the phone, we have former Republican state legislator Tom Saviello. They are both in opposition to the uh, NECEC, New England Clean Energy Corridor, which is also known among many people as a CMP corridor. We're taking calls at 4690500. We only have one phone line available for callers. So we'll ask you to make your calls brief and hang up so somebody else can get through and hopefully the sound quality will be okay. Tom, I want to give you a real, chance to say yeah, something quick. and then and, we'll uh, go to the I, caller. Dawn has done a wonderful job looking at the impact on citizens besides the, the indigenous uh, people in, in Canada. And I think that's Great, and let me also take a, to, to turn to that to a personal standpoint of the main citizens. Let's remember the company that's bringing us, quote unquote, this wonderful opportunity uh, has smart meters that are dumb. They can't do what they said they're going to do. They can't maintain their lines. Ask the people in Brunswick and Topsom that were out of power for weeks, just two years ago, uh, that have a billing system that's broken, that are, have created overcharges out there that they're blaming us for. And then to fix all that problem, they want $5 more a month on their uh, T&D cost. And by the way, they'll put $6 million in the budget to fix that if they get that increase. So this is the kind of way they're treating Mainers, just Mainers right now. And now they want us to trust them that they're going to provide all these wonderful things to us in the future. Uh, I kind of disagree with that. So glad to go to your caller now. Okay. Caller, go ahead. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm David. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Hey, David. Thank you. I'm I'm so honored to be able to be on the show with uh, with Don and, and uh, just I th I think we've got to phrase this thing in a whole another uh, uh, context as well. We've got to start talking about the the moral aspect of what's being proposed here. We've got to talk about the morality of large systems in general dictating our lives and and supplying us with what we consider to be the necessities of our lives. I think it's coming to be more and more clear, as, as Tom was just saying, 
that the large systems such as CMP are not able to do what what we've entrusted them to do, and it's because they're too big. You know, Maine is not a place where we like bigness. We don't do things like with you know with one one stroke fits all. We never have, and and, and I hope we never will. And you know, the the the, the apostasy of this huge mega dam system in northern Quebec is just, you know, unthinkable and, and totally reprehensible morally. I don't care how many trees or how many, you know, wonderful owls or any of this stuff are going to be impacted or how many vacationers won't be able to see the mountains. It's just morally wrong. And until we get it, you know, to a really major higher plane, uh, we're always going to be able to defeat it, to be defeated on the, on the on the basis of one or another, you know, environmental problem, like you know, the uh, the hoodals will be impacted, or you know, uh, it, it's not that's not going to save the day for us anymore. It used to work in the past, but I don't think it's going to work in, as we go into the future until we get the whole debate on a whole higher moral ground. That's my statement. Well, thanks for calling, David. Again, the phone line is 4690500. If you'd like to call in, you can also send a message to news at weru.org or make a comment on the WERU Facebook post that's pinned to the top. What is happening for resistance? What are the different angles that pe- resistors are taking to this project, and where do things stand with that right now? Tom, do you want to go first on that? Well, let me just t- take touch on one thing that okay. gentleman just said a minute ago, which is something people should realize. In the state of Maine, we're taking out dams so that we have this passage. In the state of Maine, we prevent any kind of renewable energy, quote-unquote renewable, coming into the state of Maine that's produced by something that has more than 100 megawatts, which is the Hydro-Quebec Dam. Now it's okay for this power from a 300-megawatt dam to pass through the state of Maine to Massachusetts to maybe come back into Maine. The logic, it's illogical to me. So ask your question, but I just want to point that out. Uh, Amy, ask your question again. How are we doing on the petition drive? Well, we hadn't even mentioned the petition oh. drive. What I'm asking just in general is where do things stand with the resistance? What angles are the people who are opposed to this think, taking to try to resist it now? And I think that that's what leads us really right into the petition. I mean, we, we are watching, and it'll happen this week. I'm sure LUPC will come out and give permission for the line to be put in. I'm sure DEP will do that because the regulators have a box that has to be checked. They'll check that box. They are bureaucrats. They're wonder- I mean, don't misunderstand me. These are wonderful people who many of them have expressed their disappointment in this line and are against it, but they can't do that. That's not their job. My goal, my goal is to have every one of the main citizens have the opportunity to vote on this thing. This is a huge decision. So all of these different strategies, whether it be uh, the, the indigenous argument, whether it be this is really not green power, whether it's a bad deal for Maine. Each person needs to be able to go into the ballot booth and make that decision that that's bad for Maine, and I want to vote no. And that's really where my energy is spent. We could spend hours. I have notes all over the place. Uh, um, you know, they can tell you why it's bad. We can talk about jobs. We can talk about taxes. We can talk about that the power price is not going to go down. Um, and we can talk about the biomass industry going away. We can talk about all of that. But the bottom line is I want people to have the choice. That's where my energy has been spent in the last five months since we got the petition in our hands, and we'll continue to do that until it it goes to so the people for their opportunity This to petition is a citizen initiative? Yes, it is. It's a citizen's initiative basically that will remove the uh, certificate of convenience of need, which was given by the Public Utilities Commission, um, which, if you look up the definition of certificate of convenience and need, it's so broad and so wide that you could drive a dump truck through it. And so they gave permission. We need to re- we send that permission. It's been done before in the state of Maine, and that's what our our petition says that you we that we'll direct the PUC to rescind that certificate of need, and therefore they cannot build the line. How many signatures do you need, and what's your deadline? We need 64,000 signatures, and we're telling people we have to have things in our hands by the middle of January. So if you haven't signed a petition, find a place. Go to Sandy's page. She'll find a place where you can go sign one so we can get it in because there's so many steps we have to go through. We have to get them verified by a notary. Then we have to get them verified by the registrar. Then the person capturing the signatures has got to get certified. So we are just in this massive effort. 
and I know the question is going to be out there. How many do you have? Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you because I don't know. And the reason they're all in these different stages, but when I ran my campaigns, I used to say I'm three votes behind. Why I did that, even when I knew I was winning, I'm always three votes behind because that motivated me to knock on more doors. It motivated my friends to continue to campaign for me. If I said I was fine, they would say, oh, we're not going to help. If I said I'm in trouble, I'm not going to help. At the end of the day, I won my election, the last one, by 7,000 votes. We're three votes behind. We're going out there, and we're driving it home. We're going after it, and we're going to be successful. I'm actually convinced of that. So that Facebook page you were mentioning at Sandy Howard's admin who called in earlier, and that's uh, say no to NECEC. Caller, uh, be patient. Uh, just one more minute. We want to have Dawn respond to that if she'd like to about where the resistance is now, or you can pass if I'm putting you on the spot. No, I, 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 uh, I just got to mark this down on a calendar because there are not many times when I agree with a Republican. <laughs> uh, and I agree with Tom in that the fact that this needs to be in the hands of the people. This can't be decided by bureaucrats and by, um, you know, corrupt political officials. Um, when the means of production and the means of uh, providing power are in the hands of the people, we can decide, you know, whether we want this in our our, uh, our territory, and we can decide whether we want to be complicit in the genocide of the people who are most affected by this up to the north of us, our relatives. Um, yes, definitely, we want uh, people to sign that petition uh, for a referendum. Let's put the power in the people's hands. Absolutely. Thanks. All right, caller, go ahead. Thank you for your patience. What's your name and where are you calling from? Sure, my name is Ryan. I'm calling from Westbrook. Hi, uh, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me on. Just had a quick question. You mentioned Republicans and Democrats and independents are all coming together. Um, Press Herald and the BDN have reported that oil and gas companies from Massachusetts would lose profit if this corridor actually happens have been funding a lot of the opposition. So I was wondering if Tom and Don could speak to that, and I'll hang up so other people can call in. Great. Thanks, Ryan. I, I'll answer the, the either of you, Tom, or Don. I know that Do there have been people that have come forward to help us. I have no idea who they are. I'm looking forward to the January uh, report that will come out. But let's not forget that, and, and then just recently, I believe uh, two gas companies have initiated a pack to go out and collect signatures to put us over the top. I have no contact with them. It's not right for me to do that. At this point, I have said all along, my goal is to fight this thing. Anybody who wants to help us, I'll take it. And that's where I am. That's what I've said since the beginning. But let's not forget, in this last month of December, Central Maine Power spent $1.3 million to run a bunch of ads on TV about how great this line is. So how can I fight that? I need the help, so I have to take it for it. But I don't know where the money comes from. I don't ask the question. I just right now want to get it in front of the people, and they can decide then whether I didn't like where this money came from, so I'll vote for the line. That's their choice. But right now, I've just got to get the petition signed. And I look, I, I'm fighting a huge battle. It's, it's, it's literally like David and Goliath, because I'm the David out there. I'm the one guy, and, and I, I say this, David, the David and the David the, and, and Sandy, David, Tom and Sandy are out there fighting this Goliath that spent $1.3 million. They spent $100,000 alone on polling, on polling. That's what I'm fighting. I want to play another uh, real quick clip from uh, the North American Mega Dam Resistance Alliance. Uh, but, Don, did you want to weigh in on that first? Sure. Uh, the enemy of my enemy is not necessarily my friend. If these pipeline people want to come work with us on this, um, you know, wonderful all hands on deck. But I'm going to send them to Tom. He can deal with them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at right. the end of the day, maybe it opens a dialogue between us, all of us, which is great. That's a good thing. But I thank you. And I will, I'll take that call. You if I are have an to. optimist. All right. So uh, this this clip is just under three minutes long. So there's a phone line open. If you want to be on after we hear this clip, call 469-0500. Again, this is Maine Currents. I'm Amy Brown. My guest in the studio is Don Neptune Adams from the Penobscot Nation and the Sunlight Media Collective. And on the phone, we have former uh, Republican legislator Tom Saviello. We're talking about the Maine uh, uh, CMP corridor, as it's commonly known. And let's hear from someone else who was here in November talking about how these mega dams impact the indigenous communities in Canada. Tansia, 
My name is Carlton Richards. I am coming from the Pimichigamak territory. I am here to tell my story about how the hydro dams have impacted my life so far. And um, I've heard many stories on how clear the waters were before I showed up. I was around. I am a hunter, a trapper, a fisherman, but it is also very hard for me to do that. Like she said, the waters are really low in the summer. It's dangerous to go on a boat. We break boats, motors, hitting logs, rocks that we can't see. And in the winter, we rely on the ice to get to our trap lines to go trap. But we can't, because the water's so high, it's coming up, it's lush. Our skidoos break down, so we can't go out and trap. We, um, I am one of the very few that still speak my language that still hunt, that still trap, that fish. And I am here today to let you guys know that these dams are not green, they are not clean. They destroy people, they destroy cultures. I have lost people because of these dams. I lost a grandfather because of it. I have lost family members because of this. We, um, I live right in right in between all these other dams in Manitoba. It is not easy to have a life like that. I have pushed people my age and younger to do what I do, but they can't. It's hard. We, as people, are trying to raise awareness on how dirty these dams, these dams are. Sure, you guys have the lights from these dams where we are from, but you need to see how we live, how we have to survive and cope. It's very dangerous where we come from, but it's safe. It's safe over here. You gotta think about us. We are the ones that are impacted the most. We are culturally dying. And I, as a youth, am trying to bring that back alive. I came from Canada and Manitoba all the way to the States to warn you guys about this. Okay, that was Carlton. He was one of the speakers at the North American Mega Dam Resistance Alliance presentation in November. Unfortunately, we won't get to hear more of those clips, but we'll put the whole presentation up with the archives of today's program. We have a caller on the line. I know you're there. Hang tight. I just want to read a quick message from Becky, who called earlier from the Sierra Club, who we couldn't hear. She emailed and said, we oppose the project for environmental justice reasons due to impact on indigenous and local communities in Canada, the severe boreal forest, which is our northern hemisphere lungs and water resources. Sierra Club opposes mega dams worldwide due to the damages they are causing, including methylmercury and methane emissions. You'll hear more if you listen to the presentation from NAMRA that we put up on the archives. There is a no reason that this project should receive any less scrutiny than New Hampshire, and we're hoping that the Army Corps will require an environmental impact statement to clarify the application, its economic and environmental impacts to the forest and water resources of Western Maine. The application itself was not complete and should not have been accepted because CMP never described any practicable alternatives as required by the applications. The PUC approved this project in spite of the fact that there is no apparent benefit to Maine, another requirement for this kind of project. Sierra Club Maine has just submitted another report from a retired EPA wetland scientist who evaluated the application and strongly suggests that there must be an environmental impact statement because of the lack of specificity due to the uh, original application. We are still collecting signatures to put the uh, transition line on the the ballot and... uh, so uh, we're going to go to the caller now. This is the last caller we're going to have time for. I want to hear from him, uh, and then I want to leave plenty of time at the end for Tom and Don to have some final words. So uh, this will be our last call. Go ahead, Matt. Thanks for waiting. Are you there, caller? Yeah. yeah. This is Matt, right? Yeah, this is, this is Matt Wagner. Thanks for calling. How are you? Thanks, Amy, and thank you, Tom and Don. It's awesome to hear you guys are there. 
Well, I'm glad you made it through. You've got uh, just a few minutes because we're coming toward the end of the program, and uh, we had hoped you'd be able to be here in the studio. I know you had some scheduling conflicts that didn't allow you to uh, to yeah. do that, but what are the most important parts of the points that you would like to make about this? I, we've really got to drive home that it, for the listeners that it is not going to be necessarily convenient to sign this petition. People aren't going to show up at your door with, a, with this on a platter. This is all volunteers, and I mean... People have really worked really, really hard to get as far as we've gotten. And we really need people to get on the Say No to NECEC Facebook page, find the event section, find an event near them, and get there and sign this petition. We need signatures. We're so close, and Maine residents have never been more united than in their op- they are in their opposition to this. It's going to take some work on people's parts to get out there and get this petition signed. And this is what we have to do. I'm an intervener in the LUPC. I've been to almost every meeting, every hearing for two and a half years. This is our shot. It's not worth thinking about anything else. We've got to get out and get this petition signed. All right. Thanks for calling, Matt. Appreciate the call. Uh, again, this is Maine Currents. My guest in the studio is Don Neptune Adams. We're going to have her say a few final words. Uh, also, my guest on the phone is former uh, Republican uh, state legislator uh, Tom Saviello. We'll have him say a few words. Again, if you want to make comments, there are some more emails that have come through that we're not going to get to today. Any information that you want to share, including uh, I think a couple people have posted about different places petitions are available, you're welcome to continue the conversation on the Facebook post at uh, Community Radio WERU's Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash WERUFM. And the other Facebook page for the group that opposes this, or one of the groups, is Say No to NECEC that you've heard mentioned. So with that, I want to get out of the way. And uh, Tom, I'll have you go first, and then we'll give Don the last word here. Uh, I've got about uh, five minutes each to say anything that you didn't get to say, answer any questions that I didn't get to ask, and uh, also, if you want to uh, give your contact information at the end of that, that would be helpful for listeners. Sure. So, Don, real quick, two things I want to do. One, I want to touch on the greenhouse gas argument um, and point out that all my time down in the legislature, eight years as a senator, singing people fought every greenhouse bill, green, green greenhouse gas bill that we had in the legislature. They fought everyone tooth and nail. Just recently, they fought LD six forty, which Senator Carson's bill calling for a study on what actually really happened. They had 30 lobbyists in there fighting against the bill. Hydro-Quebec never appeared under oath to answer any questions about the project. But more importantly, even uh, Central Maine Power in their testimony to the Department of Environmental Protection by their attorney in a letter said, uh, in fact, CMP is not relying heavily on greenhouse gas reductions because they are not relevant. But now they are. And then they also went on to say the project is designed to deliver up to 1,200 megawatts of clean energy to Quebec from uh, New England's control area. And it says base, CMP bases the need for this project primarily on climate change, is what NRCM says. CMP's response, again, as noted above, this is a false. This is not the project's purpose or need. But today it is. Let me close with a little story. There was a gentleman, we all know who he was, Robert Frost. Robert Frost used to write Christmas cards in a story, in a poem. And about 1918 or so, he wrote a Christmas story to his friends about a Vermont Christmas tree farmer. So I want people to think about it as the main Christmas tree farmer. And this dude from Massachusetts comes up to buy all of those Christmas trees. And he offers the farmer a dollar a tree. Farmer says, gee, that's a pretty good deal. I can get rid of all my trees. But then he realizes that farmer's going to go to Massachusetts. A dude is going to go to Massachusetts and make millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars on his Christmas tree. He says no. We're dealing with the same thing here. We've got this dude called Central Maine Power that wants to bring power from Quebec to Massachusetts so a Spanish company can benefit, and we get nothing out of it. It's a bad deal for Maine. We want to give people in Maine the chance to vote for a whole array of reasons, but primarily we need to protect our way of life. It's not about NIMBYism about who we are and what we're about. Do you have a place that you want to direct people for yeah, more information? Yeah, more than welcome. My email is drtom16, drtom16 at hotmail.com. You're more than welcome to send me an email, and if you want to call me, my cell phone gets filled up pretty quick, but it's 240 You're more than welcome. But I would really direct you to uh, Sandy's webpage so that you, if you really want to get a petition, signed and help us out, that would be great. Remember, as I said, we're always three votes behind, but we're going to win this election. 
All right. Again, that is a former a Republican, former state representative and senator, Tom Saviello, and uh, Don Neptune Adams from the Sunlight Media Collective. I think I called it Sunrise Media Collective earlier. If I did, I apologize. And uh, Penobscot Nation, uh, your final thoughts? Well, I've been uh, reminded by my Sunlight Media Collective colleague to uh, mention that there is a meeting scheduled tomorrow um, on the NECEC project. It's at the Black Bear Inn and Conference Center in Orono at 10 a.m. And it is, uh, it says here, the main LUPC is scheduled to decide on their permit uh, tomorrow. So if people can show up and be in solidarity with us, that would be wonderful. Um, the other thing that I wanted to just, uh, I just wanted to tie in uh, the two audio clips we heard. The first one, you, you heard Meg Sheehan, um, who was one of the non-native uh, organizers. But uh, the second part of that first clip that you heard was from Amy Norman, and she is from uh, what is now called Labrador. Um, I'm going to try and pronounce the place where she is from, but I, uh, I, I might mess it up. It's Nunatsiavumiak. Nunatsiavumiak. Uh, in her presentation in Farmington um, with the Megadam Resistance Tour, she had uh, a PowerPoint presentation, and in it she had pic- pictures of her daughter, her and her daughter fishing, and it just uh, it brought me back to the struggles that we have here in in our territory with um, you know pollution in the river, and it, how hard it is just just to survive uh, as a, a a parent. And um, she spoke about the methylmercury. No, um, mercury is uh, naturally occurring in all vegetation, but um, it becomes methylmercury when it's submerged in water. So just as we have uh, the problem of not being able to eat the fish from the Penobscot River, her and her daughter have the problem of not being able to eat uh, the fish from where she lives. This is her culture's way of, of being, their, their way of life that has been disrupted by these dams. Um, it, it is not just cultural genocide, but uh, actual genocide when people are dying from the effects of mercury, methylmercury, dioxin, any of those contaminants. Um, we also heard from Carlton Richard, who is uh, Pimichikamak, um, and he was the youth um, who spoke for the Mega Dam Resistance Tour. He spoke about, you know, going out to check his traps and hunting and fishing. Um, and finding drowned animals uh, in their dens uh, from this this dam, you know, and it's it's just he talked about how much destruction has been caused to uh, supply, um, you know, big outside areas with energy, and I I just hope that I've conveyed uh, how important it is to to know that there are people who are affected by this, and you know. What we do affects them. And thank you for listening. Do you have a uh, place you want to direct people to Sunlight Media Collective's uh, Facebook page or website? Or Yes, or- we can post some things up on the Sunlight Media Collective page. If people would like to um, get a, a good overall um, uh, idea about this, they can go to the North American Megadam Resistance Alliance website, which is northeastmegadamresistance.org. All right. Well, that is all we have time for today. But like I said, you can keep the conversation going on the WERU Facebook page. You've just been given a couple of other places to follow up if you want more information. Uh, Those of you who sent emails that we didn't get to, you can just post those there if you're interested in doing that. And be sure to check the archives of this program, which will be up in a few days at WERU.org under the main current section because we will also include, along with that, the full recording of that Mega Dam Resistance uh, presentation, which included a lot of very powerful testimony. You've been listening to Maine Currents, Independent Local News, Views, and Culture. I'm Amy Brown. John Greenman is our studio engineer. 
Meredith DeFrancesco provided production assistance, and you can find Meredith's reporting on this issue on our archives under Radioactive. Thanks to the North American Megadam Resistance Alliance for use of the audio clips that you heard earlier. Join us for Main Currents in two weeks at this time on Tuesday, January 21st, when we'll open the phone lines for a discussion of the upcoming elections. Until then, keep it tuned here to Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill streaming live and archived at weru.org and now on our very groovy new smartphone app which you can find at the google or uh or apple store and download it free from there and keep it tuned here as uh, we'll have another hour of independent news coming up next and then a great evening of music here at your community radio station thanks everybody Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Finelli Pizzeria, 12 Down East Highway, Ellsworth, serving thin crust pizza pies and slices, craft beers, sandwiches, and subs, and opening at 11 a.m. daily. 664-0230, FinelliPizzeria.com. Volunteer power is a vitally important ingredient in the success of WERU, and the contributions of volunteers are many. Some host radio programs while others serve on committees, staff outreach tables at events, answer phones during fundraising, do landscaping, and much more. When you volunteer at WERU, you are making it possible for everyone to enjoy community radio. To learn more, visit weru.org and click the volunteer button or email info at weru.org. You can also call 469-6600. Thanks to all the WERU volunteers. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Merrill's Bookshop, 110 Water Street in downtown Hollowell, selling fine used and rare books since 1991, usually open Tuesday through Saturday. Hours always available at 623-2055. This is Community Radio WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming worldwide at weru.org. Here's a quick look at the National Weather Service forecast for the greater Bangor, Midcoast, and Downeast regions. For tonight, it'll be mostly cloudy, some light snow likely in the evening, and then scattered snow showers after midnight. Snow accumulation around an inch. Overnight lows 17 to 22. Winds out of the south at 5 to 10, becoming westerly at 10 to 15 miles per hour after midnight. Tuesday looks mostly sunny, highs 32. Winds will be out of the west at 10 to 15, gusting to 25 miles per hour. Tuesday night, partly cloudy with a slight chance of snow in the evening, then cloudy with snow likely after midnight. Light snow accumulation.